Mountain Wedding Talk, your weekly go-to for inspiration and education for your beautiful Rocky Mountain wedding with your hosts, Patricia and Erica. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mountain Wedding Talk. We are super excited you're here, and we love it that you keep coming back. And for you new listeners, I'm Patricia in Wyoming, and my cohort over there. I'm Erica in Montana. Hello. So we have many, many episodes that we just really love. Um, This one is probably one of the most difficult ones to... I think it's, yeah. It's as it, and it's the one that seems to stress uh, couples out the most. Yes, because I just received an email from mom. So yes, yeah, yes, yes. And Ooh. what is and what is that you ask? Seating charts and room layouts. I think we spend more time. I, people like to they they put this off because it is I, it's probably the most stressful out of everything is figuring out you know, where to put people, who's sitting where, if, if you so choose to do that. But so why don't, why don't we start with, you know, what are seating charts? Well, there's a couple of frames of thought for that. Um, okay. You know, so seating charts, I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty lackadaisy when it comes to the ceremony, because it's pretty straightforward for me. Yeah. On what the first two rows are for and, and who they're for, I should say. Um, I've been flipping the parents so they can see their faces instead of their back. You know, I, um, I had a wedding two years ago. That was the first time that they did that. And by flipping, we mean, so if the bride is on the left and the groom is on the right, the the bride's family is on the right and the groom's family is on the left. You could just swap the couple too. I know, I know. And I do ask the bride where what her good side is because yeah. sometimes that happens and there yes. could be a left or a right. But I always ask the parents, would you prefer to see the back of their head or their front of, or their yeah. faces? And it's really cool because we have, I think you and I both, we've thrown tradition out of the way where yeah. you don't always, you know, just because you're on the green side and, and you just kind of blend the two. Right. And it, and it makes it great for pictures too. So- that's that's definitely one and then the first row or the first pew or whatever you want to call it is usually used for the family you know dad comes back and sits down with mom and then grandparents and sisters and brothers and all those kind of things are and children right now reception seating charts that's the bear (laughs) (laughs) but i guess it's it's one of those where it depends on the type of wedding you're having because True. I have some that they don't do seating charts at all. It's you sit wherever you want and we might reserve a table for the parents or, you know, certain family groups. Um, But then you can, you can either just assign tables and let people sit wherever they want at tables. You can have assigned seating at specific tables if you're, you know, and I think that's more for, if you're doing a plated dinner, which is the thought process behind that. Yeah. I have a wedding coming up that's plated and, um, you know, we're doing the little name cards, the mm-hmm. table number, and then a cow and a fish. Right. <laughs> you know, so basically in that respect, so the catering, you know, the catering. Or a little piece of broccoli. It's like, oh my gosh. So with that in mind, okay. So now we're, we've 
accomplish the seating chart, whether it's alphabetical and all those kind of things. And oh, really, you know, that's the hard part. Let's let's talk about that one. So okay. if if you have, you know, a lot of a lot of times people they have like um, the board that you go to see where you're sitting is, you know, table one, and then they list all the names. Table two, they list all the names. And it's very, um, that's great if you have a wedding under 100. When you get more people, it's harder because people are trying to find their names. And they're looking through 35 tables trying to find their name. And this is where it might be more advantageous to put it in alphabetical order. So you would do A and list everybody's last name that starts with A and then put which table number they're at next to it. So that way they can quickly and easily find their name. That's the table and then go find the table. So I prefer that. I've done a couple of things too with the escort cards. I mean, if you're not provide a sign, I like the escort cards to be... um, and I asked my bride to do the same thing, put the number on their little mm-hmm. escort card. So I can put them in alphabetical order way easier, even yes. though I'm looking at you know 50 guests and so forth. But I would look for my last name instead of look at every single one of them. I mean, that would, it's just. Yes. It, it bottlenecks the front row. <laughs> it does. It does. So I guess that comes to, you know, do you need a seating chart? It depends on, I don't, I don't really think you, I mean, except in the case where you have like a plate of dinner so that the caterer knows, you know, which people are doing what. Well, you know, and and, and it all depends on moms and the moms, the moms, (laughs) so they may want certain people to sit next to each other. Right. So that that gets pretty detailed and it's very labor intensive. Just, just very labor intensive. Oh, yes. You get the little people and you put their little names on them and you stick them on the tables and then you figure out and you walk backwards and you go, okay, my gosh. Okay. Oh, no, Ted and, and Barbara don't get along. So I got to move them. So anyway, that's yeah, it. Yes. That's a lot. All right. Room layouts. You know? Oh, wait, wait a minute. I've got one more thing on this on this table. Well, I guess I guess this kind of falls under room layouts. And mine does too. So go ahead. I'll, okay, I'll, you I'll, go first because I I have a feeling we're going to say the same thing. Because well, you know the the struggle I'm having with this uh, wedding that's coming up is it is three banquet rooms together, mm-hmm. and we are creating the ceremony in the center, and it has the sound walls and, and things like that. So we are thinking about putting the dance floor in the middle where they're going to have the ceremony and put the chairs on there. I don't know. And that means some chairs will be on the dance floor. Some chairs won't be. There'll be an aisle runner. We'll have flowers down the center because it's labor intensive to move that dance floor. Mm-hmm. So, and because the resort has less staff, we opted to do that. Now I'm concerned about a tripping hazard. That's my concern. Why is the dance floor going to be, why is the reception in the middle? Is it a bigger space? No. So the, Interesting. They're smaller banquet rooms. So I am placing about 50 people to the, to the right banquet room, all the chairs, tables, and so forth, sweetheart table. The dance floor then is in the middle. And then there's this lounge area where the bar is and so forth on the third banquet room. And so it's kind of this flow through. So they wanted the dance floor 
to be in the center and then them being cozied up together with their tables and chairs since it's only 50 people. But that's still to be determined when we get there. I'm so just going to say, I just, I mean, personally, I don't know that I would have the couple, uh, I mean, to have and it's not really high. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, and I want the listeners to know that this can change when we get there. Right. And it probably will. Right. Because I'm working with a resort that's um, a little more challenging than normal. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, if their staff wasn't able to do it, that we had enough staff to move things around. I mean, because I would, I would be like, well, can you do the ceremony here uh-huh. and then move to cocktail hour and that, and then move to the reception? I agree. Who doesn't want to do that? And I think it's the way the room is laid out that the center room, the center banquet room Mm -hmm. has more of a peak window that goes out towards the lake. Oh, okay. It's a scenery thing. Yeah, it's a scenery thing. So can you, okay, I know. And I'm going to see now you got me thinking, can you move the dance floor back? Yeah, I think so. You know, and and that's the ceremony towards the front closer to the window, since there's only 50 people and then just flip it and then put the the band or the DJ in the back. Yeah, I like that. And then we may just put the cocktail somewhere as well, but those are things. So this is what folks that, that, you know, works out for diagram and takes a little (laughs) thought process. We're just saying that um, this is why for me, a diagram is very difficult to satisfy all people involved. Well, and how many times, you know, you might, you know, I guess my thing is a room layout does not have to be exact to scale. It's, it is, it gives you an idea of where, you know, the configuration of the tables, the configuration of where the bar is going to be, where's the dance floor, where the DJ, the band, where the dessert table, where's the welcome table, you know, it just gives you an idea of what it's going to look like. I can't tell you how many times that we've set up the day before and it's, we're going to change it because, you know, it, it's, it just doesn't flow the way we thought it was going to, or somebody in the couple decided I want to do this instead. I don't, I want to do a a sweetheart table instead of having, you know, a big long table for the wedding party. I don't want the big long table. I want, you know, a round table. So we've, we've made accommodations like that before and had to flip flop some things, but it's, if it's within reason and we have the, um, the means to do it, then we will. But sometimes if you're asking for certain things that we don't have because they need to be pre-ordered, then that's not going to happen. So, you know, and, and now that you've kind of spurred my thought process, uh-huh. we only need, we only need six rows. Oh yeah. For the, so I, I would move the, the, yeah, I would pull the dance floor back so that people aren't sitting on the, the chairs aren't on the dance floor. Yeah. It's just that they're walking over the dance floor. Well, we're doing an aisle runner and doing all that kind of stuff. So I think the um, bride and groom and officiant will be the only ones walking on that in the beginning. Yeah. When so, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, but as long as the, because I would just be weird with like people in their chairs, some are up, some are down, some are, you know, just kind of, I don't know. know. I, I've got to see it all laid out. And that well, yeah. Better. And, okay. Um, 
So we're going to give you 20, 20 tips to okay. creating the um, seating charts and room layouts. Okay. Number one, determine the number of guests. Your final count cannot, you have to have your final count before you embark on this really. So you have to know who's going to be attending your wedding because this is going to help you determine the size of the tables, the layout, and all of this. Now, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing though, because we have to order tables and everything as early as possible. So you have to, you have to know, do you want round tables? Do you want banquet tables? You know, do you want farm tables? You're going to need to know that up front, but we won't know the number and how many people are going to be at a table until later. So there's that. Okay. Create a floor plan. So once you know the number of guests attending, you can create the floor plan for the reception. And this is going to help determine the placement of the tables and the flow of traffic in the room. Flow is very important in, in all of this because you've got, you know, if you're having past hors d'oeuvres or, you know, people need to have a good line between bars and dance floors and bathrooms and food, you know, you just, you kind of have to make sure that you're, you're, that everything flows so that when you're, when your planner goes, you can't have that there. They're not being mean. It's because it doesn't make sense. And somebody's it doesn't go with the flow. Um, it's going to be a, a, either a hazard or it's going to impede a vendor or people from being able to get from point A to point B. So because when we picture a room, we picture it with the number of guests that you have. We're, we're very, um, I guess we're, we're very good at looking at a space and figuring out what it's going to look like beforehand and knowing what's going to work and what's not going to work. That's kind of one of our superpowers. So trust, trust Absolutely. us. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the big key factors for me, at least is the flow at the bar and how yes. it's going to get congested. Well, do you bar. have, yeah. Do you have enough room? Cause you don't want to put tables and stuff right up against the bar because you're going to have a lot of people there, you know, and make sure you have enough, enough bars. It's, it's usually um, one bar per 75 people. So, you know, set it up accordingly. It's we have, a, we have a wedding that we only have two bars it's um 250 people but we have six bartenders so as long as there are you know because we, we don't want people to wait for any length of time all right group your guests appropriately so this is one of those things that we we're talking about early earlier about um you want to group your family members together or seat guests with similar interests and backgrounds together um we try to put the parents closest to the head table, if there is a head table or closest mm -hmm. to the couple, because Patricia, what happens when mom can't be right next to her daughter? Well, you know, we kind of move that sweetheart table as close to them as possible. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So, but I mean, and, and I guess that's to decide, you know, you can do a sweetheart table, which is just the two of you. You can do 
a long table for the wedding party with just the wedding party. You can do a long table with the wedding party and their plus ones. I've got a bride. They don't want a head table. They just want to be in with everybody else. So there's like three or four tables that are just dedicated to, you know, the, the couple and then their, their wedding party and plus ones. And, and it's okay. People, I don't know. People get up and move. I had a wedding once that the bride freaked out because somebody was sitting at a table that they weren't assigned to and she had me come over and wanted me to tell them they had to go sit in their their own seat because that's not where they were supposed to be oh yeah let me tell you you know what let people have fun and if and if people want to go sit they want to pick their chair up and their plate and everything and move over to another table and they all make room let them it's okay it's not going to ruin your day just my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, you know, there. It's just what's, what's really urgent, and it, it was almost like a fire drill, so to speak. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! The wrong person was well, basically their Discord card was there, and like, oh my what? gosh, we can't do that. Well, it was just so funny because she like she tells me, "Come here, come here," and I thought there was something majorly wrong, and she's like, "Those people are sitting at the wrong table," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" You know what? It's okay. It's fine. Um, so consider that with that, let's consider the guest relationships. So if if you have close friends and family members together, separate the the guests that may not get along. Um, my daughter-in-law, when my son got married, there's four sets of parents and there's four corners in the room. And she spaced everybody out so that we were all the furthest away from each other, <laughs> literally. Because she thought, she didn't think that all the parents could be cordial and, and not cause a scene. She was wrong. We all got along. <laughs> Everything was fine. It would have been a great party, all of you together. It really, you know what? It was, it was the best time. And like most of the time, people can be mature adults. But there are those people that they can't. So yes, if you know that there are two people who absolutely should not be together because you know something's going to go down, please, you know, separate them a little bit. I, you know, and I had experience one of the mm-hmm. weddings where I had to put up a complete, like a whole table for two people because they got along with none of the people. Really? literally lost it with me and said you should know that we don't get along with the family and you should have had us at a separate table and I'm like oh my gosh so I rushed and got a table so I'm just telling you behind the stories listeners that you know yes behind the scenes because this is what we deal with you don't even know and we handle it with you know eloquence and so right so Yes. Yes. What happens? So really be mindful. I think with, I, oh my gosh, I had, I had, there was, um, the mother of the groom and the father of the groom, they were divorced and the father was remarried. I think mother was remarried as well. And the mother told me the entire story of what happened between them. And it was pretty, like, it should have been 
an episode of Law and Order SVU. I'm, I swear it was that. It was like that. And I was just like, are you okay to be sitting near, near him? And she's like, oh yeah, I've had enough to drink. If he tries anything, I'm just going to throw a bottle at him. And I'm like, all right, do what you need to do, I guess. Um, so be flexible. So it's important, you know, sometimes it is necessary to have a seating chart, but you also need to be flexible and be able to make adjustments um, as your RSVP or unexpected situations arise. So for instance, we had the seating chart was all done the day of the wedding. An entire family did not show up. So, oh, wow. yeah. So the bride we had, we had to, you know, rearrange some tables and rearrange some things. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's fine. Or you have the unexpected guests that they, they said no to the RSVP, but they're going to show up. <laughs> have you had that happen? Here we go. So, you know, you do a little, a little moving, moving around and stuff and, and, and it's okay. And if somebody wants, again, if somebody wants to sit at a table with one of their friends and you didn't realize that they were that close, then just let them, um, table shape and size. So that the table size and shape are going to be determined by the number of guests, what kind of service you have as far as food. So Round tables are usually smaller for more intimate weddings, and they usually come in five foot and six foot. Five foot, you can get eight people around comfortably. Um, you can probably put nine, but it's pushing it. And but any more than that, you'd want to go to a six foot table, which you can get 10 around comfortably. When you're doing a family style service for catering, using a round table, there's more space. There's there's just there's more real estate for plates and stuff. When you do banquet tables, you know, don't go crazy with decor because banquet tables aren't gonna they're they're not gonna hold as much. And if you're gonna have a um, a family style, forget about it. You're not, you're, there's no place to put any of the dishes. So, you know, consider what you want to do with that. Patricia, thoughts? You know, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. Um, I did have the family style situation and so forth. And it is amazing um, how awkward that really is, though. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got these big bowls of food just moving along and mm -hmm. so forth. If you had a smaller, more intimate wedding, I can understand that. Right. But it gets it gets a little dicey with that kind of thing. When you have 300 people and we oh. want to do family style. Don't do it, please. Oh, my gosh. All right. Head table placement. Now, we talked a little bit about head tables, but you want to, you really want to make sure that your head table is... And the head table is reserved for the wedding party as far as the couple and the 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 attendants. So mm -hmm. you can, I mean, some people include, I mean, if you have a small 
wedding party, you can in- include, you know, close family and stuff and that's fine. But you want to make sure that that table is where everybody can see it. Um, so it's kind of, it's going to be more in the center of everything. Um, I've had where they were insistent that the table, you know, the head table was all the way in the back and the people on the other side of the room, they can't see anything. They, they don't know what's going on. So um, I've got a wedding this season that literally the head table is in the very center of everybody. And then all the tables are around them. And then the dance floor is off to the side. So it's just, you just want to make sure because that's where speeches are going to be held. That's where, you know, toasts and, and all of that. So you just kind of, I don't know, have you ever, have you had some weird head table setting places? It, it was an interesting one where the head tables, you know, a regular head table, but it was like a T. Oh. So we had the head table and then the, the, the table in the middle was connected to them as well. Mm-hmm. And that allowed the parents to be right up to them. Oh, yeah. Wow. And we also accommodated the significant other. Mm-hmm. So now you've got both sides and the bride and groom are in the center facing their parents. Right, right. <laughs> okay the next the next one is children oh the children put your plate put your <laughs> so many children's stories so you can either have them sit at the table you know with their parents or you can have a whole section for just kids um i i think that just depends on their age uh you know obviously if they are you know, one, two, and three, you might want to keep them close to you at the same table. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they're a seven, eight, you know, give them their whole, give them their own little area and then they can, they can do all that. Do not put a linen on the table with kids, with any type of pencils, pens, markers, crayons, because that tablecloth will become a canvas for their artwork. And then you will have to pay for the replacement of said linen. So just a forewarning. Ah. We usually do, um, we'll do like banquet tables and then the, which are the long tables and then get like that um, paper, that like butcher paper and tape it down. And then they can, you know, they can color on it and write on it and make a mess and do whatever they do. So, oh, accessibility and special needs. So we talked about this a little bit um, on a previous podcast. So, you know, you need to consider the accessibility and special needs of your guest when creating the seating chart. So if you reserve a table for guests with wheelchairs or mobility issues, you want to provide enough space between the tables and make it easy for them to get to. So you're not going to want to put them in the very center of the room or between a bunch of tables, usually towards the outer outer rim, closest to the door. Um, same thing if they have service animals or something, you'll just want to make sure that you you provide room for that. And also, yeah, so what's, what, 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 what you got for me? You know, I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, in regards to, spacing mm-hmm. um especially if you have an outdoor venue yes and you know you're trying to make sure that the chairs can accommodate 
people walking in front of other people. I mean, I, I'm very sensitive to that. I have like a little formula. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I use is my fist for chairs <laughs> to be apart from each other. So they're not sitting on top of each other. And the other thing, what did I else use? Um, yeah, it just, it's the spacing between the, the chair in front of you and the chair behind you and, uh, and making that look very uniform. Those are just key things that I think about. Right. Right. And that's for the ceremony site. Correct. Okay. That's for the ceremony. And then the reception is same thing. Two, it's, 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 isn't like two feet between the yeah. back of the chairs, between the tables, just yes. so that people can walk. It's, and then if somebody decides they want to scoot their, scoot yeah, their chair. Yeah, because I noticed, you know, some places, they look great when the chairs are all tucked in, <laughs> you know? And then I'm looking at going, okay, if one person leaves or they both leave, they'll crash and burn in between. Yes. Um, you know, so definitely allow your guests some convenience to walk around because that that's hard for when your guests are all tight. I mean, I had many situations where I had no choice because the tent was too small. Right. Oh, it's too small. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Decor and centerpieces. The number one rule for decor and centerpieces is... You know, besides the fact that the shape of the table and the size of the table should determine how much decor you have on the table and what type of, I have a pet peeve about round tables and straight runners. <laughs> I've had to do them where I, I would do them all in an angle so that the bride and groom are in the center and yeah. I have my round tables and they all angle almost like a shot. I, oh yeah, but I'm talking about when you have a round table, and yes. people have runners, and they put them across it, and they look like, yes. you know, circles yes. with. And I, I'm talking about that too when I'm. Oh, okay. When I'm, when I'm faced with that dilemma. Oh God. I, and this, and thank goodness for my husband's eyeballs. He has an amazing eye for design. He goes, let's just do this, and when you pull back, it looks okay. But I hate yeah. them too. I. They make it, sense. It drives me, it's it's an OCD thing or something. Um, but the other thing is your centerpieces should not obstruct the view. So if you're at a, at a table and you're, especially a round table, it's, it's probably the worst. If you can't see the people across from you, then what's the point? You know, people are there to converse. That's why you have round tables. So it, it's more conversational with more people and it's more intimate. When you have something that's 12 inches and you can't see anybody, you either need to bring it down low or you need to bring it way up. So just take into consideration um, that. So, yeah, that's my. I mean, you know, and I believe me, I have seen centerpieces where they have the towers in the center and the, and the, Mm-hmm. The florals are in the air, but at least that particular stand is thin enough to make yes. them see. Right. You know, and they are they are very attractive and it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, as long as it's not solid. Exactly. Yes. We don't we don't want to do that. Um, I had a wedding that the bride was insistent on having these these centerpieces and they completely obstructed everybody's view and they all ended up on the floor next to the table because nobody could see. So and there you go. And there right. you go. And they have the right to do that. I mean, you know, absolutely. And then she got mad because everybody took the, the centerpieces off the table. And I'm just like, well, you know, 
Okay, traffic flow. The layout of your reception venue should also take into consideration the traffic flow of the guests. And we talked a little bit about this. So you're just going to need to make sure that there's enough space uh, for the guests to move around as far as um, around the tables, that they have easy access to the dance floor, the bar, and the restrooms. So I think we, we hit that one already. Oh, lighting. It's one of Patricia's favorite things. The lighting of a room can have such an impact on the ambiance of the event. Um, one of the things that, we, I mean, we get to a certain part of the evening and, and a lot of people like to dim the lights a little bit to just kind of give a little mood. So, you know, if you want that, ask the venue if they have it. You know, if it's if it's a deal breaker for you, when you go to look at venues, if they don't have a way to dim the lights and you want the lights dimmed, then you might want to pick another venue. If you have a tent that you have a bunch of lights out, usually what we can do is, you know, we can turn off some lights, um, the option to have maybe the perimeter lights and then chandeliers in there and then we can turn the perimeter lights off and that kind of you know diffuses the light a little bit but you can also um you also need to consider the dance floor lights and the dj and some of the light show things that they they do and if you have somebody who is you know epileptic and and gets seizures you might want to you know, get nip that one in the bud and either not have those lights or don't invite that person. So just kind of, um, there's that. So. Yes. And you know, when you talk about lighting, I had a situation where it was in an airplane hangar and, mm-hmm. the, and they only had like one, one thing lighting. So mm-hmm. it was really important to have our final walkthrough and talk about that. Yeah. And they did hire a DJ that was amazingly lit up and they had like a tower that literally helped that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also added some really cool um, lighting on the tables. So that really created, so that helped, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm all about ambiance. I mean, I'm, I'm quick to turn the lights down. Right. Now that just sets the mood because people get inhibited about dancing. And -hmm. as soon as you turn those lights off, it's out there. Oh, well, yeah. The other thoroughly, I mean, there's so many cool lighting options. And we've talked about this in another thing, but, you know, the the lighting monograms that move on the floor or, you know, just different lighting features around the tent and all that. I mean, that's that's part of the logistics of all that. Um, usually a lighting, a specific lighting company, but around here, it's usually the DJs. Um, the other thing to consider is if you're having an outdoor wedding, and you have to put lights like up a driveway so that people can find, you know, where they parked because I don't know how many weddings I've had in a field, in a pasture that there are no lights, you know, everything is set up by the generator and, you know, we've run lights around the perimeter of the property so that people could, could see and, and kind of get from one place to another. So that's when I love those candles that you have a remote control. Oh, yeah, so you don't yeah. have to go back and like them or anything like that. I mean, that is like magic. Yeah. And I love that. You push that button and it goes, oh, there we are. <laughs> we have I'm a happy girl. <laughs> so the next thing is sound. 
you're want to you're going to want to consider the acoustics of the room if if this is something that's important to you. Um, and acoustics, we can make, sh- you know, it's not just for the music, but it's for the speeches and and any other entertainment that you might have, uh, just to make sure that everybody can hear, that there's not an echo, that that if somebody's talking or the music's playing, it doesn't have that ringing or feedback or, or you know, sometimes it, it just, it sounds off. Um, we do sound checks and that's one of the things that we look for. And when we ask, when we do walkthroughs, is about the acoustics and, and um, how that goes. Barns are really hard because if they're, it's a barn with a really, really high ceiling, you can play music and it's going to get lost up, up in the air. And the people on the dance floor, they're not really, it's going it, to, they're not going to really feel the music. They could be standing right next to the speakers and they're not going to really, you know, feel it. But Patricia, this is your this is your area. Well, it's like my forte. <laughs> um, you know, so one of the things I try to talk with the DJs and the, and the sound people is basically their their placement of their speakers and mm-hmm. um, and things like that because I've had to deal with the decibels um, as well. Yeah, of some venues and they get really uh, persnickety, as we call it. I'll just use that word. Yeah. Um, you know, and and being very sensitive to where your venue is. If it's in, you know, if it's a populated area, you're going to be you're going to be right. faced with it. At 9.30 is really the cutoff. Yeah. And 10 o'clock is quiet time and you got to get the heck out of there. Um, so that's huge in sense of when you are looking for a venue, make sound one of, one of the top priorities for mm-hmm. your search. So that kind of goes with the placement of the band or DJ. Yes. Because that can, Absolutely. you know, so you've got the acoustics and kind of how, how the, the sound travels. So, you know, Sometimes a couple, they want the band or DJ in a certain spot, but that's not conducive to anything. I mean, it's not going to work in that space just for the sheer fact of, you know, the way things are going to bounce and stuff. So I know I had a situation where there was water mm -hmm. and they thought, oh, because it's water, it amazingly carries over the water onto those residents. It's better to face towards the road. Right. But, you know, you need to, you also need to make sure that the band and DJ is in a location that's visible to everybody and doesn't obstruct the dance floor. So don't put, you know, we, there's like this science in where the the band or DJ, the dance floor, the head table and the bar is because you know, we try to put the bar and some of the food stations and stuff close to the dance floor because they, that's what people do. They go dance floor and, you know, you want it easily accessible. You want people to be able to, to get to those and not create that bottleneck we were talking about earlier. And then you've got this like big group of people that are blocking things. So, you know, to have it, and when I say next to the dance floor, I don't mean like right up against the dance floor. You need to have it back so that there's some space. But people, because people, they want to drink and then go dance. That's why I always try to put like those highball cocktail tables or highball cocktail tables. Um, I usually put some like around the dance floor because when people dance, they want to put their drinks down and then dance, do the thing, pick the drinks up and do that. That's right. So, those are my faves. Oh my gosh. Um 
some bands require a stage. So, you know, and that's, I guess they do this for ceremonies too. So you have to consider this if you're doing a stage in a podium uh, yeah. for the ceremony, because, you know, do you want a, do you want a microphone or that podium up front? Because that's going to be in all your pictures or do you want it off to the side? I know a lot of people, they believe do the, um, the lavaliers, the lapel uh, microphones. Yes. And then we'll either have, if there's readings and stuff, we put that off to the side so that the photographer still gets pictures of the couple and the, and the officiant without that big eyesore right in front of everything. Some people don't care and that's fine, but you know, that's just something else. You don't want things to obstruct the view of your guests, you know, Guests want to see the couple. They want to see the dress. They want to see the suits. They want to see you, not a big podium. So um, decor and theme. Make sure that where you pick your, your wedding and your reception is large enough for the ideas you have for decor. <laughs> because, or... You might need more decor. You know, it, it depends. You, you want the balance. Um, out here in the mountains, we use a lot of the natural beauty for decor, especially at ceremony sites. I mean, our whole thing out here is to enhance the area, not cover it up. So, yes. you know, un unless, you know, the caveat there is unless you're doing a ballroom wedding, then of course, you know, you can get crazy and do whatever you want. But if you're doing outdoors, that's the reason why you get married in the mountains. And that's the reason, you know, you want that scenery. You just, so you just want something to, to enhance it. Don't, don't, uh, don't cover it up. Cause I've had mm -hmm. some couples come in from out of town and they're just covering up this gorgeous view. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you doing this then? You know, we, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, any, any, any stories you have on the, the decor theme? Well, when you're talking about um, enhancing or not enhancing the scenery, mm -hmm. um, I have been grown very fond of the ground. Uh, yes. Decor, the I ground love those. Decor. Yeah. And that seems to be, you know, it, and then if you use native plantings and things mm -hmm. and if Loris knows exactly I think that's beautiful but I you also that. the other thing with the decor is you don't want it to be in the way of anything you don't want it to yes. you know you cause it, yeah I mean it, it can happen you don't want anything falling over on people you don't want people to be able like if they're pushing up against something and it falls down and i mean there's just make sure it's sturdy and and kind of really set in there um most weddings out here you know we talk about controlling the climate of of the space if you're doing an outside wedding in summer get yourself some fans um, what, what are some of the things that you've done for when it's warm outside? For their ceremony, for the reception, for, kind for of either thing. the ceremony, the reception to kind of keep, keep the, 
you know, people warm or cool and, and comfortable? Well, first of all, we try to pay attention to where that sun is at the time yeah. of ceremony. Um, it's very difficult because you will always find everyone in the shade. Mm-hmm. That's, that's normal. Um, and trying to time it so that they'll be in the sun for all of 20 minutes, maybe. Right. It's, it's really hard. And um, might have the luxury of having trees and so forth if it's an outdoor type of um, venue. And or waiting until it gets, it's really all about the sun when it's ceremony. Yeah. That's, that's I, how I take care of it. Yeah. I try to have people, you know, it's so, it's so hard because I try to either make sure that people do something where the guests are in the shade or there's a shaded spot for the guests. But even if it's later in the day where the sun has kind of gone or it's almost past the mountains, sometimes that can that can help so that yes. people aren't done. But the one thing I know is if you want a clear top tent, please do not get okay. one. If you are getting married in June, July, or August, there are some rental companies that they will not even rent them to you because all it does is create a big, just sauna of heat and, and someone will pass out and it just is awful. So don't do that. Um, and then emergency exits, make sure that exits are not blocked, that, you know, that you, that there is a clear path again, traffic patterns, um, to make sure that everyone has a way you go on an airplane, they do their whole little spiel of where the exits are. I feel like I should do that at weddings, you know, in case of emergency, everyone please file out, you know, accordingly. Accordingly. Exits. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, and that's, and that's where, you know, when you have your, um, handicapped accessible people should be closest so that we can get them out right away and not, so they don't get trampled by, you know, the crazy, if something were to happen like that. So as you can see, when you're planning the logistics of a wedding, of an event, of anything. There are so many things. This is just some of the things. This isn't all of the things. So there's a lot to think about. Um, and this is this is a majority of our job as planners is to think about the logistics of, of every little detail, every person, every vendor, all of it. So... Yes, I think we beat it to death in regards to that. <laughs> you think? Patricia's yeah, like, okay, I mean, we can stop now. Well, you know, the, the whole thing is for most of our listeners, you know, they've never really uh, had an event that required all of this setup portion. Right. And we hope that um, there were some takeaways for it for everyone. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And um, I feel that we're experts at doing what we do and we do it well. Um, so, but you can learn. Yes. All right. Until next time. Where can they, we're, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to totally change this. Patricia, okay. where can people find us? Oh my gosh. So wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us. And if you want to get a hold of us, you would go to hello at mountainwedding.com. 
wedding talk, <laughs> mountainweddingtalk.com. Sorry, putting me on spot girls in front of boys know, and girls. I know. Um, and then don't forget about our mountain wedding solutions, our new journey. And um, we also have, I believe that's also info at mountain wedding solutions. But go to www.mountainweddingsolutions.com and check us out there. And um, gosh, we would love to see you, or I should say, hear you on our show. So if you know of anyone that's getting married or has gotten married and wants to share their story with us, send them our way. And if you want to be a guest on our show, we would love to have you. So like us, download us, all of the above. We love you. We love that you're back here. And so I'm not going to get gushy and mushy, but um, thank you for being here. All right. Two crazy planners, Patricia in Wyoming, Erica in Montana. Peace out. Ciao. You've been listening to Mountain Wedding Talk, your weekly go-to for inspiration and education for your beautiful Rocky Mountain wedding with your hosts, Patricia and Erica. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at mountainweddingtalk.com. Thanks for listening.